0: Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money saver tire and service deals today. Dobbs, with 43 locations, real deals are always close by.
1: Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN
2: yes welcome in bloom party 101 espn timothy michael mckernan action jackson Ledoux, horton watkins class of 2014 16 wow that wasn't that long ago
0: yeah six years ago yeah. pretty much yeah i graduated that's kind of wild to me six years feels like a long time
2: well it sounds like you're gonna have some introspection here on 101 espn today
0: well, as was an
2: even younger man wet behind the ears really your thoughts six five seven eight zero and thank you to Mike Ryder for uh, forcing Jackson to end his Kim Jong Un like reign over the Rhino Shield mic drops. Now the people can be heard using the 101 ESPN app. Do we have any in the uh, in the chamber yet?
0: I am uh, going to the inbox. Is that to right,
2: check. man? I like having these things. I want to put these on TMA. Can we do this on TMA? Yeah. Oh, is that right? Of course sure. we can. Of course. <laughs> Just, <laughs> Why not? Well, I've been here seven months. <laughs> Why not ask the question then?
0: Oh, we do. We do. We have one in the chamber. Right? Oh, is that right? From friend of the show, Steve. <laughs> is that right? Well,
2: it's nice. Uh, friends, feel free to gather and leave your mic drops. Uh, Rhino Shield, the presenting sponsor of the mic drops, Air Comfort Service, sponsor of the text line. Action Jackson, first off, Jay Delsing was in with uh, Randy Carricker and Michelle Smallman. I think he is considered the second Belfer to come out of St. Louis U High in the school's history.
0: Behind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Would mm-hmm. it be behind you, Tim?
2: Mm-hmm. I don't want to. I don't like when I.
0: Right, you don't want to come off wrong.
2: Right, exactly. It's so <laughs> so important how I come off. Obviously, Jackson has done a wonderful job. I said this on TMA, and I thought it last night when the questions came over at six thirty-seven p.m. Of uh, his, uh, if a tree falls in the forest and no one is there to hear it, does it make a sound? Questions um, today. I, so much so that when I saw him, I'm like, I can't wait to do. Balloon Party tomorrow. God bless. I Appreciate really... You. It's just a matter of which one do I start with. Uh, but all of them, I think, will uh, will get the people going. And uh, let's just uh, let's start with it. Going right out of the gate, because we have four segments. We'll do one a segment, mm-hmm. I suppose, I, although I doubt I will actually manage the time properly. But let's just yeah. start with it. We discussed yesterday the Cardinal fans would still attend games in droves, even if the front office sits on their hands at the deadline. What are some of the reasons that Cardinal fandom runs so deep and their fandom is passed down from generation to generation? What is some of the historical context behind it? And do you think this generational love for the birds and the bat will last into the future? Wonderful question. I mean, really rock solid. Well, that allows me to pull up yesterday's Gallup polls. That I asked yeah. while on the air here at 101 ESPN. I said, all right, you know, I'm going to get a feel for what the audience says. And, and I, I think it's important. If you're following me on Twitter, I don't think there is a—I th- I think the representative of the Cardinal fan base, who do you picture when you think of a Cardinal fan? In j- Like 10 Cardinal fans, and what does it look like? All right? Yep. And then who do you picture—well, who do I picture who follows me on Twitter? And what I'm trying to tell you is I think they're different people. So therefore, therefore, this is not necessarily an accurate representation, but it is 1,500 votes per question or 1,300 votes per question. Do you believe the Cardinals will trade for Juan Soto between now and the trade deadline? 88.2% of 1,431 people say no. So that is where the mindset is, that Mm -hmm. most people do not expect it to happen, per this Gallup poll that I conducted on uh, Twitter. Do you want the Cardinals to trade for Juan Soto before this year's trade deadline if the trade would mean sending a minimum of three top prospects to the Nationals? 70% said yes, 30% said no. And finally, and I think this is the one that's actually the most intriguing to me of of the three as far as results go whether it be Juan Soto or a lesser player or pitcher or players or pitchers but still impactful additions do you expect the Cardinals to be aggressive at this year's trade deadline and 58.1 percent said no they do not to me like I know and I think most people know that they are not uh expecting the Cardinals to trade for Juan Soto. They are not expecting it. You know, sure. and so basically 9 out of 10 people say they do not believe the Cardinals will trade for Juan Soto. Uh 7 out of 10 uh do not want the Cardinals to trade for Juan Soto if that means they are sending a minimum of 3 top prospects to the Nationals. But the thing that stands out to me most is that nearly 6 out of 10 people who voted out of 1337 uh, do not expect the Cardinals to be aggressive at this year's trade deadline. And that's taking Juan Soto out of the mix. That's just an impactful player or pitcher or both. And that, to me, let me just put it to you, put it to you this way. Let's say it's, we're, we're back in March and it's the NHL trade deadline. And I pose that question. Mm-hmm. Do you expect the Blues to be aggressive at the trade deadline? and what the answer would have been. What do you think the answer would have been?
0: 75% would say yes.
2: And I would have said it would be higher than that. Okay. But either way, yeah, you get the idea. And here you have 60% saying no, so 40% saying yes. Mm -hmm. And i got to tell you something. If I'm the Cardinals, that's a nice place to be in, as weird as that might sound. Now, you might go, that doesn't reflect well on the Cardinals. But for the Cardinals, the bar has been set low.
0: Right, kind of sandbagging themselves.
2: And I'm not saying they've done it intentionally, but that's right. where we are. Right, And I also think it says a lot that three out of ten fans wouldn't want one of the best players in the game at the age of 23 because of risking prospects and or the money it would cost. Uh, we talk about Saudi Arabia, uh, sport washing with live golf. I think Cardinal fans have been dewit washed They And even though I don't blame this on Bill DeWitt, who I think, when it's all said and done, will be considered one of the best, if not the best, owners in St. Louis sports history, which might sound completely contrarian to those of you who use the phrase DeWallet all the time. But I think he will go down as one of the greatest owners in St. Louis sports, uh, considering the run the organization has had in his tenure. But my point on it is, is that people are now programmed to expect less from the Cardinals. What a nice place to be in. And then still have a bunch of people show up and still get incredible television ratings. Mm -hmm. What a great spot to be in. That there isn't an expectation when you have a team that's a half game out of first place with retiring historic players in a division that is just the hottest of garbage and a playoff spot that is basically assured and clear needs that there is not an expectation that they will be aggressive. What a wonderful spot to be in. So, your questions, Jackson. Jackson. Uh, are the following. Um, What are some of the reasons that Cardinal fandom runs so deep that people will still show up even if the Cardinals do nothing at the trade deadline? Um, And their fandom is passed down from generation to generation. And I think part of it, I guess I could make an analogy here, and maybe it'll resonate, maybe it won't. One of the reasons why Missouri football will have a tough time Ever getting to the level of take your pick of whatever school in the SEC is because for a lot of the schools in the SEC, and I'm talking about football here, uh, that's all they have in the state. Mm -hmm. So that's it. And now in St. Louis, but also it should be noted for a good number of years also, even when NFL football was here, the football Cardinals were irrelevant, the Rams were irrelevant, uh, and or there was not a team here. And as much as the Blues have experienced this surge over the last number of years, the Cardinals were the only show in town that everybody was into. And that was passed on from generation to generation to generation. And so it's ingrained in people. And then in the summer in St. Louis, if you go around the country and say, I'm from St. Louis, you either most likely be asked about the Arch or the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know if you'll be asked about the arch because what are you going to be asked about that? Oh, that's the place with the arch, question mark. Right. Uh, but it's most likely the Cardinals. If you met somebody from Green Bay, what's the first thing you would ask about? Packers. It? Yeah. So it's, that's what I'm saying. So the Cardinals are to St. Louis what Arkansas football is to Arkansas uh-huh. or what Ole Miss football is to, you know, the state of Mississippi or right. I guess Hale State if you're so inclined. The pride to be on joint, board with the Pirates. Yeah. And yeah, Athens, Georgia is only, what, 45 minutes an hour away from yeah. Atlanta. Atlanta's a transient city, though. St. Louis is provincial AF. Yeah. Uh, Gainesville is part of a huge state that's essentially like three different states uh, in one state. I mean, the Panhandle is a hell of a lot different than South Florida, and the Gulf's different than the Atlantic side, but uh, it is the state university. Great school, too. Um but it's, it, it's, it's the only SEC school in the state, and it is everything as far as um, the SEC goes there. You have Florida State and you have Miami when those two programs are peaking. My point being, for people in the summers in St. Louis— Going to a Cardinal game isn't all about whether the team is good or not. It's about the religious-like experience of going to Bush Stadium with family and with friends or just because there isn't as much to do here as, let's say, you were living in L.A., Chicago, New York. San Francisco. Denver, whatever. Yeah, right. So that that's that's a factor in it. Yeah. Might not sound good to you. Don't really care. It's my opinion. Uh, Then the next thing is, uh, do you think this generational love uh, for the Redbirds will last into the future? Yes, but uh, I wouldn't necessarily say it's something that the Cardinals should take for granted, nor do I necessarily think it's something that the Cardinals do take for granted, but I don't necessarily think that it is as blue chip as you might have thought. The blues and the sport of hockey uh, and the love for the blues— are uh, is is intensifying at a rate I've never seen before in I've, a lifelong St. Louisan. I also think for younger people, the sport of baseball is not as appealing. And furthermore, and maybe it'll catch on in a big way or maybe it won't, I don't know. But I think the experience of going to STL City Games yeah. uh, will be appealing to young people and will turn into a whole scene. Uh, and that will be something that will catch some fire with people. As I say often when we talk about young people in baseball, um, I don't know what it's like in other areas of of the metropolitan area, but with regards to around me, I see kids wearing take-your-pick-of-whatever-soccer-player jerseys or NBA player jerseys more so than I see baseball jerseys.
0: 100%. Yeah, I I think... My generation, so people probably 21 to 25 or a little older. Our parents were very much into Cardinal baseball, so it was passed down to us. But I just I don't see it resonating as much as like my brother, who's 10 years older than me. His, him and his friends all love baseball, love the Cardinals, follow it every day. I have significantly less friends who I could talk to about day to day stuff with the Cardinals. A lot of my friends know what's going on. I know Paul Goldschmidt's red hot. They know it's the last year of Wayno, Yadier and Albert, but the people who like follow it nightly, know everything about it, know what's going on with the team. I mean, that number dwindles for people my age year by year. And
2: I think locally you have the baseball issue, which is a macro issue. I think locally, I think part of it is, You have this foil in the St. Louis Blues and that there is an expectation, like I said, that they are going to reciprocate the fans' emotional investment with their financial investment or their trade capital investment to make a run for a Stanley Cup. Now, you can't do it every year. We happen to be at a point in St. Louis sports history in which both teams can win a championship. You might say, oh, the Cardinals can't win a world championship this year. And at this moment, I would tell you that is most likely the case. Certainly, only one team can. And, hell, you have the Yankees doing what they're doing and the Mets yeah. doing what they're doing. And one of them's not going to win the World Series. And we know that. Much less take your pick of whatever other team that's red hot or the L.A. Dodgers when they get healthy or whomever. One of them's not going to win the championship. The Braves are red hot. Going to be tough for them to repeat. But do you feel like those teams could win a championship? Yeah, you do. One of them won't. Do you feel like the Cardinals can win a championship? No. Do I feel like they can win the Central? Yes. But again, that's a byproduct of the division. You bring in, take your pick of whomever, but certainly Juan Soto, and the mindset changes. And then fans feel like they are trying to win. They are committed to winning. And the thing that's so weird about it is over the last five off seasons, they brought in Marcelo Zuna, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arnato. Their activity in the off seasons, as far as trades go, have been incredible. The deadline has just been bizarre, whether it's standing pat or making weird moves. And that's why the next couple of weeks are so important. But when you ask me if it will impact attendance, no, my answer is no. My answer is instantaneously, no on that one uh let's see what we got here uh we're getting a lot preach it tim lisa she was at the top of the list uh let's see uh i'm 25 and a diehard cardinal fan but most of my friends like the cardinals but they are nowhere near a diehard more like fairweather fans that's from the 636 is that what you say jackson yeah come october
0: if the cardinals are in it then they'll be watching and and i don't blame them because it's you know every night and 162 games but yeah i would say most people i know are they know what's going on come october they'll watch but otherwise if they're not at the game it's doubtful they're watching mm.
2: sporting kc is more popular than the royals in kansas city because of the crowds and the atmosphere and i think it's going to be huge here that's from the 913 which is a kansas city area uh, area code uh, let's see um, I have much less friends. That was f- said by Jackson. Thanks. That's from the six three six. Well, I think that's creative editing. Unfortunately, although when I heard Jackson say I have much less friends, I knew someone, at least one, would text in and capitalize on Jackson saying I have much less friends.
0: I have. I have. Uh, I have a lot less friends.
2: Nice. There you go. I think the whole thing was about you being friendless. I think that I don't think it was more grammar, I think it was I think it was more Jackson's friendless and it's just not true. He's the most eligible bachelor in St. Louis. Bingo. Um he is a likable sort. Uh Lisa Ann say you ha- says you say says nurse, you have Joe Burrow swag?
0: Yep. Yep. That's true. I got that one on the resume. <laughs> you
2: do have that. So there you go. Yeah, I'm feeling great about myself.
0: So text me whatever you want.
2: <laughs> uh, Jackson kept coming though with the questions. I'm going to tease it because I want to see what people say about this. Absolutely. ESPN. Have you watched the captain? So I I was actually like this is the, the walk... documentary. How about you? And I'm using the term doc. The term documentary is everybody who is rich is leaving a legacy project right now that right. is filtered you know like right. it goes through North Korea before it <laughs> before it's aired yeah. what a thing yeah Th- this is I don't know who started it I don't know if it was the last dance um, I think that would be the would that be it I yeah. don't know everybody's doing their legacy project and then like coloring their legacy. it's a beautiful thing yeah uh if you have enough money you can do it but um they're doing something on Jeter I think it's seven parts and the yeah. first part aired
0: after the home run Derby. after the home run and Derby. I was almost gonna watch it was almost they almost captivated me with it
2: uh, I have not watched it yet, but I do have it uh, saved. ESPN currently has a docu-series out called The Captain, featuring the rise in the career of Derek Jeter. What former or current cardinal from any era, uh, outside of Kurt Flood, who's already had a documentary made about him, would you most like to see and would grab the attention of people around the country? I like that question, so I'll put it to the people. Text in your answer, 65780. I'll give you mine on the other side of the break. This is Balloon Party, 101 ESPN. <laughs>
1: We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back,
2: A Little Piddle Show, also known as Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. My name is Tim McKernan. We have an hour. That's what we have. We have to capitalize on it, though, Jackson.
0: Yeah, we gotta make the most out of it.
2: Uh, and the people now are able to interact with us. And I am a big believer in interaction. Now I've set the table. The previous segment, got, no, I just really I stay up at night and I look in the mirror and I go, man, I should have stayed on Propecia. But I also say I got to get better at teasing. And uh, and and I thought we did a nice job with what based on the Derek Jeter uh, documentary on ESPN seven parter. Uh, what former or current Cardinal from any era would you most like to see? Have a documentary and would grab the attention of people around the country. Your answers were getting a thousand here, six five seven eight zero. I'll read those momentarily. But now we have mic drops presented by Rhino Show. Now we always had them, but Jackson, operating like Vladimir Putin over here, was not letting the people's voices be heard. And Mike Ryder, executive producer, said that's enough. Jackson said we're going to play some mic drops on this show. And now what do we have? What do we have? We have Lisa, Lisa. who sounds to me. She says she's 60. I'm dead serious. When you hear her voice, there's no way in the world you think she's 60. Yeah, no chance. It's crazy. All right, let's say, listen.
0: I know you'll never play this, but I am 60 years old. And when I moved in with my grandpa, it was the day Bob Gibson was pitching a no-hitter in August of 71. We were in Collinsville passing the ever-famed Ketchup Bottle. And he said, hey, Bob Gibson's pitching a no-hitter. Bob Gibson's the best. And you, Lisa, you're a Cardinals fan. Tim Jackson, I just honestly don't know life without the Cardinals, and all of our family traditions are surrounded. Even on Christmas Eve, they play the best of the games on the TV, and they watch them. All right, thanks,
2: guys. What? a! What a, what a she's even more pleasant on the mic drops than she is in the Air Comfort Service crazy. text line. Lisa's the MVP. She's the MVP. You yeah. gave it to her. The Little Piddles MVP. The Little Piddles MVP goes to Lisa. Uh, do we have another one? Uh, Yeah, Steve's back. Steve is back. All right, let's take a listen.
0: Half game out, halfway through the season. We can do this. We can take the division. Stop it! Jackson, take your manicured Ledoux fingers, text Tim's driver, tell him to get his ass over to Hubbard, pick his ass up, take him down to Bush Stadium, and, Tim, you put your finger... In bow ties, Chats would say, we want Soto, we want a starting pitcher, and we want a damn World Series. I'm tired of it.
2: Wow. You we were just held accountable. So hold on a second. I, of course, have a car service that takes me to and from the station. Right. That somehow, I think I've earned that.
0: So somehow I arrange That
2: Jackson is responsible for. <laughs> uh, some people call it the Uber app. And uh, and I'm going to head down to Bush Stadium. Mm-hmm. And put my finger in the president of baseball operations chest and tell him we need Juan Soto and a starting pitcher.
0: Yeah, if you're worth your worth your weight here. Okay. All right.
2: Get, get on that today. You going to record that? Yeah, that will be great.
0: <laughs> I'll record it for the court trial.
2: <laughs> Guys, that's the best mic drop in a while right there. Thank you, Steve. That is from the 314. Steve, you might be able to run for president now with that. Uh, Tim, can you fire boy and hire Lisa? <laughs> I call shenanigans that Lisa is 60. No way. I need to see a birth certificate. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's from incredible. the 618.
0: Yeah, it sounds like she's
2: 30. Uh, yeah, I mean, fr- I'm dead serious. Like, this isn't like I could, th- th- being very also serious, honesty in media, kind of knowing the creepery that sometimes surrounds our industry. I could see a guy, and I'm not specifically thinking of Iggy, TMA people, <laughs> go, you know, just firing a compliment, just going, oh, I might as well take a shot. Right. Married. Two kids, also under five-two, so I'm not firing any shots. Uh, but just making an observation, Lisa sounds like for real. She's in her 20s. Yeah. If you would have told Seriously. me you got a guess and you got about 10 bucks on it, I would have said uh, 28. would have gone. It was
0: the first thing you and
2: I both said. Yeah, when we played it in the commercial break. Uh, <laughs> so uh, let me see what we got here. We've gotten a million texts on the documentary ideas. That's what I told you, Jackson. Your questions, man, brought Thank the you. heat. Uh, my answer uh, we have gotten a lot of Maguires, a lot of Ozzy Smiths, a lot of Bob Gibson, a lot of Stan Musials. Nice to see Ronnie Belliard make a cameo. Ah, number seven. Um, the answer I, I think there is an actual answer. Mm-hmm. This is not subjective, this is objective. The answer is Ricky Ankeel. Yep. The answer may have been Rick Ankeel before he even threw a pitch in the major leagues. But you have to know Rick Ankiel's backstory on it. And Rick Ankiel's backstory of his childhood is is movie worthy just in the fact that he made it out of his childhood to Major League Baseball. Because, for those of you who are not aware, and I would imagine a lot of people are aware of this, that book is a great read. I don't know if you read it, Jackson. I have not it's one of those, it's like Armin Katayan's book on Tiger Woods. It was one where I just was going through it and I couldn't put it down. The Ankiel book was so good, um, but his, his childhood was rough, and his dad did time, and it was rough, man. And then you get to baseball, and then you get to how sick he was in 99 and 2000 to the point that Tony Russa has him start game one against Greg Maddox in the NLDS. You're going up against the Dynasty, and then all hell breaks loose. And then people are kind of like, well, that was just a blip on the radar. But people like Steve Blass and Steve Sachs and Chuck Knobloch and Mackie Sasser probably were like, oh, God, I've just seen the demon appear again. And then sure enough, he gets to start against the Mets in the NLCS and it comes back. And at first, people kind of giggle and then it just keeps happening. And Tony La Russa has to pull him out in the first inning and life would never be the same. And he tried to make comebacks and he tried to make comebacks and either it would be injuries or the demon would get him again. And then I remember we were doing the morning grind, which uh, now is TMA, and we would have people, we would make fun of, like the callers on, at the time, Fox Sports Midwest, who would call in, they would take questions and go, have you heard anything on Ricky and Kiel's comeback attempt as a hitter? And I would laugh, and i go, oh, God, this is so sad. These people can't let it go. And then what does he do? He comes up, and in his first game in the major leagues, as a position player, he hits a home run. Now you could end it there. Yeah, you could end it there, and yeah. there you got. Then you got it. But there's still more to the story, and it is it is absolutely a perfect document. It is a thirty for thirty. Mm-hmm. Now he's written the book, but it is a thirty for thirty. And there, and I think I think Fox Sports might have done a, a story on it mm-hmm. uh, as well. But to me, that is something that would open people's eyes. Yeah, you can talk about how great Stan Musial is. You can talk about how great Albert Pools is, Ozzie Smith, Bob Gibson, but Ricky Enkiel has all of these non-baseball pieces and the overcoming adversity. You're up on the plateau, and then you take down, and then you come back up, and you overcome it that inspires people and brings people to the table. Now, you were saying it might make a better movie than documentary.
0: Yeah, I think it's just such a—it's a incredible character study about, you know, determination and redemption and— You know it's it's perfect i would think of a hundred actors who would love to sink their teeth into that role and you know me i love a good baseball movie but i think either way ankiel's story is fascinating and heartbreaking and, and inspiring all at the same time um you know outside of kurt flood who they already made a documentary about he would definitely be right up there with any as good as any cardinal would be to to spend an hour and a half with in a documentary or movie
2: uh scott spezio is uh it was brought up that would be intriguing there is there's a lot there Mm -hmm. um
0: gibson i think i just i just the gibson would be really cool to me i would really love to see that uh it's different because it's not like anky or kurt flood where's that second element to it but just you know he's such he's so incredible
2: i don't know how many people my age especially your age are aware of how great of an athlete he was? That wasn't just like a guy who goes out there and will own your soul without right. even throwing a pitch before you step in the batter's right. box.
0: Great basketball player, great football player. Right?
2: I mean, just ridiculous. Some people texted in Mike Shannon.
0: Yeah, that'd be great.
2: You know, there's there's the you know the health situation, and and, and keep in mind, and I think it was um, Frank Broyles, if I'm not mistaken, who became a legend at Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Um, but he did coach in Columbia for one year. And I think he said, "If this guy chooses to play football, he's going to win the Heisman Trophy." I think I, I think I, I had Mike Shannon on the podcast, and I believe he said that. And it wasn't it wasn't like he's like, "Yeah, let me tell you how great I was." I think I said, "Hey, I, is there a story about Frank Broyles saying you would win the Heisman Trophy?" And I think he reluctantly said, "Yeah, well, you know." Uh. You know, he's not. That's not his uh, right. modus operandi to go on a, a bragging mission, but uh, yeah, what happened there? And he, he comes up, a hometown guys, South City, Epiphany Parish, right where Pizza Gogo is, and uh, you know, in what ten minutes from his home, he uh, you know was a ridiculous athlete at CBC, and then he hits a home run for his hometown team against the effing New York Yankees and Mickey Mantle in '64. How do you do? And then mm-hmm. he becomes a legend as a broadcaster. Uh, yeah, man, that, that's, 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 that's a legit one as well. My vote, my vote goes to Ankiel, but yeah, Ankiel's is like a Disney movie. Right, you know? exactly,
0: yeah. It's a, and I think it could even get grittier too. Like, I think it's fantastic.
2: Uh, all right, uh, Jackson, I mean, two for two from my standpoint. Here's the next one. And I'll set it up because I'm getting better at teasing. I say, see, I am on a bragging mission. <laughs> and if there's one thing I like to brag about, it's my ability to tease. Absolutely. Oh, when I roll up to Napoli and say, hey, have you heard me tease on 101? Charles Barkley has been linked in the news to possibly leaving inside the NBA for a chance to call live golf events from lives perspective. Would a move like this make them more serious and increase their chances of landing a big TV package from Chuck's perspective? Would this move seem out of place for him, and do you think he would actually make that move? He's talked before about retiring in the next few years. This would be a chance for him to leave with a huge chunk of change as he rides off into the sunset. And would you be disappointed if he took the job? We will talk about that on the other side of the break as there is major news regarding that this morning as well. It's coming up. This is Balloon Party on 101 ESPN
1: we are right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
2: Welcome back, Balloon Party. Kind of irritated that I didn't get any uh, news on the NBA in that update.
0: There actually is. It's a slow day in the association news, which is a shame.
2: I tune in every day at about 1035 to get a little NBA news.
0: I mean, the only thing that's really said is, like, Harden's going to just kind of play out the string in Philly. No one okay. cares about I mean, that.
2: I would have led with it, but that's your call. Jackson uh, here with another wonderful question. This one on the news he actually just cited, which is uh, Henrik Stenson uh, is uh, is out as Ryder Cup captain next year because he's going to the Live Golf Tour, and that leads to the question he posed that I deep-teased before our commercial break. Charles Barkley has been linked in the news to possibly leaving inside the NBA the best talk show, if you want to call a talk show, the best in game show, pre game, post game, whatever show, in sports television. Not I think v- even people who hate the NBA would agree with that. It's not even close. I mean, it's it's by far. What the what, what what would be
0: uh, the TNT uh, NHL one, uh, and then probably the Fox Sports Morning Football Show with Howie Long and Strahan. Yeah, that
2: to that to me was the the forefather yeah. for the this kind of flavor, so to speak. Right. Right. Uh, But it is so good. Uh, From Charles Barkley's perspective, would this move seem out of place for him? And do you think he would actually make the move? He has talked before about retiring in the next few years. This could be a chance for him to leave with a huge chunk of change as he rides off into the sunset. And would it disappoint you if he made the move? Jackson, uh, I'll start with you because for you to lose your uh, TNT NBA show, or at least Charles Barkley on it, you would probably... Uh, go into uh, some kind of uh, winter of discontent.
0: Oh my God! I mean, when I heard the news that he talked about, you know, retiring the next couple of years, it broke my heart. If he left before he was even done, he left the show before he was even done to go join Live. That would really stay. I mean, I get it too. He's in the latter half of his career. and
2: He is uh, going to be 60 in February.
0: Yeah, he just kind of wants to play golf and fish and hang out for the rest of his career and I, or the rest of his life, and I can't blame him, and this would be a great way to make a ton of money in the last couple of years in a very short period of time. But, you know, I think he's so good at what he does that uh, on inside the NBA it's really going to hurt. Uh, They still have a great. I mean, Shaq, Kenny and Ernie are great, but he's the, the straw that stirs the drink. So, yes, I would be disappointed.
2: Dan Patrick is the one who reported it specifically saying Charles says he's going to listen to them, I believe, tomorrow night and decide what he's going to do. And he might have to leave TNT. That's why this is a huge deal. Charles knows that he may have to leave TNT to do this. Um... I would be disappointed just in the sense that I like that show. I right. will oftentimes find myself watching that show and having no idea what game it is that they are either post-gaming, previewing, or half-timing. Yeah, It's that good. That right. chemistry is. is that good. It yeah. is perfect with Ernie Johnson, Charles Barkley, Shaquille O'Neal, and Kenny the Jet. So I would be disappointed from that standpoint. Uh, if that's what he wants to do, God bless him. That's been my perspective on Live Golf from, mm-hmm. the, from the beginning with it, and I think the PGA Tour has mismanaged... The messaging because they were counting on people uh, steering away from it because of the Saudi money, and that did not resonate with the public or with the golf community. My bigger position on it is I'm just not sure that the Live Golf Tour at the moment has a business model that's going to work. Now, that does, if, if, listen, I don't know what these contracts are. These, contracts guaranteed i can't imagine the money's up front that's not the way that it i'm sure they're signing bonuses but i can't imagine the entirety is guaranteed up front and then mm-hmm. what is the situation if they uh decide to shut it down um and here's the other thing R- with regards to broadcasters because they get Faraday, and i love david Faraday, and they and if they get Barkley, and i love Barkley. think about the way and i'm talking here individually to the audience think about the way you watch sports television Do you tune into a sporting event because a broadcaster is involved in it?
0: Just one, Pac-12 basketball for Bill Walton.
2: Okay, all right. Um, I think most people would say, yeah, now that I think about it, I don't. Mm -hmm. But it's one of those things that I think we saw about two decades ago when ABC tried to, I guess, get young people and casual viewers to the table by putting Dennis Miller, which sounds like a joke now. And I guess maybe to some people sounded like a joke then in the booth with Al Michaels. Um, And it was an absolute disaster, absolute disaster. And that's coming from somebody who loved Dennis Miller's show on HBO. Dennis Miller was a different guy then. And uh, it was, it was an absolute disaster. I almost feel like you got to learn from the past on this stuff. Now, Barkley's untouchable. Bar- Barclay's un invincible. And Barkley doesn't care. If it goes south, they'll just go, okay, fine. I'm just going to go. It's not like I'm broke. I'll be right. fine. I'm okay, just okay. going to hang out and I'll start fishing a little earlier, yep. you know, or TNT would take them back, whatever. Hundred So I just, I, I look at the live golf tour and I'm just like, you're just throwing a bunch of money at people, but what is your plan to actually generate revenue? And yeah, you might get a TV deal, but ask yourselves, and, and and this is coming from a, a guy who loves to play the game and loves to watch the game. I just don't really talk about it that much on this show because I know most people don't feel the same way I do, and I'm not going to force it down their throats. But am I going to go, oh, good, Charles Barkley and David Faraday are on the call. Now I can watch Patrick Reed and the Majestics go up against Sergio Garcia right. and the Aces right. in this team game that I couldn't care any less about the results on. Right. It doesn't matter. So, I mean, Charles Barkley does podcasts all the time. I don't go, oh, Charles Barkley's on a podcast. Let me go find the podcast. So I just, I feel like the Live Golf Tour, it needs somebody, and this is an anti-Norman thing. It's just, you know, they need somebody with some business acumen running the business. Mm -hmm. I just don't, I think they're spending a bunch of money hoping that the revenue will follow when there is not really necessarily a plan for the revenue to follow. And you can go, well, they don't care, it's sports washing, and that might be the case, but at some point it is an investment fund. It just happens to be the Saudi investment fund. And an investment fund expects some semblance of a return on investment. And they're not just going to continue to just throw it away. So that's why I wonder about these guaranteed contracts. Who's guaranteeing them, and did they get the money up front? That's what I wonder about. So the Barkley thing for me, am I disappointed in him? No. I don't know if I'm disappointed no, in anybody. No, no, no. I don't get this, you know. But but from a selfish standpoint, I would hate to lose him on, on the NBA right. and TNT. 100%. I just don't think putting David Faraday and Charles Barkley on all of a sudden makes people go, oh, I'm going to watch it, even sure. if it's on a mainstream network. It's Right now it's on YouTube. Right. It's uh, you think- just throwing a bunch of money at, at people and— you know the, 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 the i'll tell you what i don't know if it's going to necessarily help live golf it just keeps hurting the pga tour that's right. what's going on yeah
0: do you think a tv deal like a tv network or a, a media company would be more enticed to make a deal with live now that they have one, one broadcaster whose q ratings through the roof and another who's
2: long tenured in the sport yes i think it gives it credibility i think it helps it but i don't think it all of a sudden makes it a force Sure. I think from a golf standpoint, it makes it a force if you get, even though I know Cam Smith is not a household name to the average sports fan, you might know it now that you didn't four days ago before he won the Open. Um, But if you get Cam Smith, a younger golfer who just won a major championship, perhaps that opens the door to some of the younger guys coming over and now the PGA Tour has got a real situation on their hands. That's what actually would impact it. Uh, If the great greatest golfers who aren't on the wrong side of 40 leave and go play on the live golf tour. But then they got to fix the model. It's just like guys going out and essentially playing hit and giggle events. It's not really a it's not really a competition. It's like, oh, good. We got a bunch of money. Let's go get wasted afterwards because it, it doesn't matter what we do tomorrow on the course. Your thoughts, six, five, seven, eight, zero. Uh, live Golf has the Field of Dreams business mentality. If we build it, they will come. That is from the 636. Uh, Stenson is just another guy that left to live. Hasn't been relevant in years. I'm surprised he gave up the Ryder Cup captaincy. I'm more bummed that Faraday is out. Barkley is awesome to listen to for golf events. Hilarious in the match events, but this makes Live Golf continue to look very gimmicky. That sums up where I'm coming from. That actually, that that I would text that in. <laughs> that uh, That's just... And, and by the way, I want to make sure I'm, when I'm critical of the live golf business model, it's not being critical of the players for playing in it. Mm-hmm. There's, you, can, you can have both thoughts be true. I get it. Just, put, just let me lay it out to the audience. You make what you make right now for doing what you do. Let's say you are going to get five times that much to do, let's say, 60% of the work. Would you take that? And I would imagine the vast majority of people would, which is why the PGA Tour's PR PR strategy of trying to just demonize it because of the Saudi money hasn't worked because many Americans, especially at this time of high gas prices and inflation, and now increasing interest rates, are going yeah, I mean, I don't blame these guys. Right. The problem for golfers is, is that as golfers who get to play golf, and most people think they're all multimillionaires, when in reality, they all are not, and they're independent contractors, is they can't go out and say, hey, we don't make as much money as you think we do, because even then, they're still making probably $600,000 a year. Mm-hmm. And for the average American, people would take that in a heartbeat. But there is an element of principle to it that they're trying to get across. It's just nobody can really message it. And that is, yeah, we show up to a tournament. If we don't make the cut, we lose money because we have to pay for our accommodations and we have to pay for our airfare. And we don't make a dollar because we didn't make the cut. And people cry me a river. I had to work ten hours today and I'm making thirty thousand dollars a year Mm -hmm. and you got to play golf. Piss off. It doesn't resonate. So the messaging by all of the parties involved so far has been incredibly poor. Uh, we'll take a commercial break. Final question from Jackson, who's just been on a heater today. Just a real heater. As we are in the absolute doldrums of sports right now, I figure now would be as good a time as any for a good Mount Rushmore. You want Mount Rushmoreing? It is Mount Rushmore season. Oh, big time. What is your Mount Rushmore of sporting events you've seen live, and what is your Mount Rushmore of sporting events you would like to have seen? Or like to go see. It's yeah. different, I guess. Yeah, like to go see. Well, I don't even know if I can get to four at this point. My basement is always my. Uh, I would like to watch the Masters from my basement. I would like to watch the Blues in the Stanley Cup Final from my basement. I would like to watch the Cardinals the World Series from my basement. That's a tiny little Mount Rushmore we got yeah, going see, there. there I so. uh, will take a break. We'll come back with that. This is Balloon Party on One Hundred and One ESPN.
1: We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on One Hundred and One. ESPN
2: final segment, Moon party 101 ESPN Tim McKernan with you to the top of the hour then it's BK and Ferrario Jackson just really uh, what a show we're really exciting to watch him come into his own today especially now that people want Lisa to replace him seems like he responded
0: yeah I came back with a vengeance
2: all right you uh, you said it's Mount Rushmore season it is your Mount Rushmore of sporting events you have been to and your Mount Rushmore of sporting events you want to go to Jackson uh, yield the floor to the gentleman from Ladue. All
0: right, I'll take the first question first. The uh, there's going to be.
2: Uh, oh I'm twenty. We don't have time for all the disclaimers.
0: Sure. Just know I'm 24 years old. Number one, 2018, Columbia, Missouri. Oh boy. Missouri Tigers for the first time in school history defeat the Kentucky Wildcats in basketball, and Mizzou Arena was electric. I am telling you, it was one of the coolest atmospheres I've ever
2: been in. I don't even remember this game. No, I know you loss. talk about it. I must have been in Florida at the time. Probably, just totally yeah. detached. It was, jan-
0: it was January or February Hey, should February we go out and drink on
2: the water, or should I watch Mizzou play basketball on TV? I think that's probably where I was, but for you, it was a big moment. When you frame it like that,
0: but right. it was fantastic. It was one of the greatest experiences of college for me.
2: Okay, that's one. George Washington is in.
0: George Washington is in. Number two... St. Louis University played the Dayton Flyers in January of 2020. And if if people went to that game, they know that it was awesome. Obi Toppin, it was when Dayton was incredible. It was right before the pandemic started, so it was like the last live basketball game I got to go to Mm. for a couple years. And it was an incredible game. I think Jordan Goodwin hit a huge bucket right at the end to send it to overtime. The Billikens lost, but it was an awesome atmosphere. It was like the whiteout, whatever they call that, the Billiken blizzard or whatever. It was incredible. Number three. Uh, 2011 NLCS Game 3 Brewers-Cardinals I despised the Brewers that year That was the Niger Morgan T-plus mm. year They were they got in the fight It was awful, it was gross I hated the Brewers And the towels were waving the Energy was awesome i had never really been to a Cardinal playoff game before that So that was awesome Jason Mott closed it out if I remember And it was incredible And number 4, this one I'm going to take a lot of heat for This one's going to be bad I was a huge Rams fan, but I was unfortunately a huge Rams fan about 2010 until their departure. Last ever home opener against the Seahawks, they made a huge stand on the last play to stop Marshawn Lynch. Right at like uh, it was like they needed like one or two yards to gain. Aaron Donald and Chris Long got the tackle, and I was fired up. That's my Mount Rushmore.
2: All right, Jackson's Mount Rushmore. Sad is actually how I would describe it. I feel bad for him. Yeah, well, that's. I mean, it make you happy, right? But when I when I go through mine, I have five. Okay uh this one will probably fly under the radar i suppose but as far as atmosphere goes 2007 missouri against kansas yeah. at arrowhead stadium for the right to be number one in the country at an incredible sports venue mm-hmm. for football and at uh, between two rivals who you know just have you'd go one of them being in the top 25 is an accomplishment much both of them being in the top five with a chance to be number one unlike anything uh, I think this I think this gets underplayed in NFL history, much less St. Louis sports history. I understand why it's overlooked in St. Louis sports history because of the Rams. But Ricky Prohl catching that ball against the Buccaneers to go to the Super Bowl, that's more of a, the catch to me than Dwight Clark. Right. It was an incredible catch, and it was a team that went on to then appear in, you know, two of the next three Super Bowls, and had they lost that game? God only knows, man. I mean, that thing was sick. The building was, you want to talk about electric, Whenever what happened with Marshawn Lynch for a team that won, like, a game. uh, Imagine what that was like. I know you were two, probably don't even remember it. What was the call again? Warner. Touchdown. <laughs> Touchdown. <laughs> Couldn't be more simple than that, Pat Summerall. Uh 2004. This is in a matter of 24 hours. I had been to Bush Stadium, the previous one, the better one for my money. Uh, God only knows how many times, probably hundreds at sure. that time, both as a fan and, and working in television. And I had never felt that stadium shake, ever when Jim Edmonds hit the home run to force Game 7 against the Astros in the NLCS, and the next night when Scott Rowland hit a home run off of Roger Clemens, the building shook both times. That's incredible. Uh, 2019, I was at the Blues-Bruins Game 6. That obviously didn't work out. I was prepared for that to be... I'd still be intoxicated from that. Uh, but 2019, Game 6 against the Sharks when they did win, the building was just ready for a party and, like... You know, you have to go back to the first three years of the franchise to go to the Stanley Cup final, kind of as an asterisk next to it, the way that the divisions were set up. This was, you know, this was really slaying the dragon, not settling with the NFL. This was slaying the dragon to get there. And I was there with my wife and my father, and it just had a lot. I mean, it was just at the build, it was just a perfect night. I don't know how to describe it. I always will look back at that night of May of 2019. And the one that just, you know, you go, the game wasn't great, but it was because I was there with my wife and my mom and my dad when the Cardinals won Game 7 24 hours after freezes Game 6. I'm sure people would take the Game 6. I wasn't at the Game 6. Uh, I was at the Game 7, and to see the Cardinals win the World Series in a Game 7 at home after what had just happened, and to be there with my parents and my wife, you can't top that. Yep. There you go. There it is. Yeah, I know it doesn't top Missouri-Kentucky in beating in beating Scoochie Smith or whatever happened.
0: It was awesome. Uh, uh, Reed Travis was their best player, monster. But Jeremiah Tillman threw some bows at them, and it all went well. Drop
2: bows on them, yeah. drop bows on
0: her. Jordan Barnett. Hit a huge three.
2: Awesome. Uh, we don't have enough time to go to what we want to go to. Mine was pretty simple Masters, the Open, Missouri in the college football playoff, Missouri in the final four. Other than that, I've been to everything, and I feel lucky that I have been. You mine,
0: know, mine would go Masters, World
2: Cup. Oh, World Cup's a nice play. That's NBA nice Finals
0: play. and uh, Mizzou at LSU.
2: That's a nice play. LSU, we, something that can actually maybe happen. Right, exactly. Uh, yeah, Masters, Open, World Cup's a nice play. That's what yeah. I missed. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, Especially yeah, if it was, it was like Italy or
0: something. That's a nice play.
2: Incredible. All right, there it is. Balloon Party, Action Jackson. Just a little piddlesing all over everybody today. <laughs> BK and Ferrari up next. This has been Balloon Party on 101
1: ESPN.